Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. Tonight, I do want to continue what I have been doing uh, for a while. But you know, the reason I'm, I'm switching things up a little bit on Wednesday nights is I just want this year to be about strengthening um, our faith. I want to encourage us to have stronger faith in God and a stronger faithfulness uh, toward God as well. You know, our mission as a church is to grow and live in Christ and, and do it together. Um, we grow when uh, we have strong faith and trust in God, you know, and, and we trust in spite of whatever craziness happens to be going on around us. Uh, but then, you know, not only do we want to grow in the faith, it should lead us to be faithful in the way that we live. And so not only do we want to know what needs to be known about God and His Word and about what works for Christ, uh, but it ought to have an impact on our life. We ought to live it out. Um, that's what this world needs. That's why God called us to be salt and light. Christ called us to be salt and light. Not just so we, you know, we can be sponges. I mean, I know for me, it would just be so easy to read and take in and to learn and all that. And, but then, what good is that? You don't do something with it. And so we need to live it out uh, as well. This is what the world needs. The world needs of um, people who trust God and who trust His Word. Takes it in its context, believes what, what it says, and you know, then reflect it into the wider uh, world. Because, unfortunately, right now, we're living in a time of great apostasy. There's a great falling away from the Christian faith, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, as Jude calls it. Um, and I kind of mean that in two senses. One, there's a sense where, you know, a good portion, if not a majority of people in the nation either no longer claim a belief in God or they're believing in the wrong God, believing in a false God, following a false religion. But this great apostasy that I'm talking about also is People who claim to follow Christ, a lot of them are not following the Christ of the Bible. They're following the Christ that is going to be up on uh, their own. So instead of conforming to Scripture, conforming to the Christ <clears throat> that, that is revealed in Scripture, they decide they're, they're just, they want to twist Scripture and twist Jesus into someone that will go along with what their desires uh, happen to be. But we don't want that to happen here. It's not going to happen here on our watch. And so we study scripture. We study doctrine. We study theology so we have a foundation on which to stand and on which to live so that we can please God with everything that we do. We want to have faith and we want to remain faithful. And so part of studying how is studying what it is that God's Word says, studying how faithful followers of old summarize 
what Scripture says. And so, you know, I have been looking at creeds and confessions and how it summarizes what the Bible says. And so I had started looking at the Second Baptist uh, Confession of Faith and um, using that as a springboard just to talk about uh, very important beliefs. So I want to continue to do that uh, tonight. That's what we're going to do on the first Wednesday of every month is, is just look at uh, some of these important doctrines. And I want to continue studying the person of Christ and the work of Christ and who he is. And, and so in the second uh, London Baptist Confession of Faith, chapter 8 is all about Christ, especially his role as a mediator between God and man. And I want to look at uh, paragraphs 3 and then later on in 4 and 5 as well. But this is what chapter 8, paragraph 3 has to say about Christ. The Lord Jesus, in his human nature, united in this way to the divine and the person of the Son, was sanctified and anointed with the Holy Spirit beyond measure. He had in himself all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The Father was pleased to make all fullness well in him, so that being holy, harmless, undefiled, and full of grace and truth, he was thoroughly qualified to carry out the office of mediator and guarantor. He did not take this office upon himself, but was called to it by his Father, who put all power and judgment in his hand and commanded him to carry them out. So, before this particular paragraph, we're talking about Jesus Christ as a mediator between God and man. He, they, they discussed the necessity of Jesus being both God and man. He, is, he has a divine nature. He has a human nature. In order for him to fulfill the role of being a mediator between God and man, he had to be both God and man. Now, we might not fully understand how the two natures commingled. We do believe that they both were in the person of Christ. He fully possessed the essence and nature of both of them without losing either of them. And way back, I talked about some heresies that you know, went out there about this. But, I mean, it's not like the divine nature and the human nature came together and made some sort of weird hybrid third nature. They, they were distinct, and yet they were together. And that was needed in order for Christ to be able to be the mediator. If he was not fully man, he couldn't live as a man. He couldn't die on our behalf. He couldn't mediate on our behalf. If he wasn't God, he would not be able to, to satisfy God's justice. So he had to be both. But now, in, the in this paragraph that I, I read tonight, the Puritans of old, they summarized the fact that he was fully equipped to fulfill the role to which he was called and sent. So the paragraph says that Jesus was sanctified and anointed by the Holy Spirit in order to carry out his office, in order to carry out his role. So the Gospels testify that the Holy Spirit came upon Christ. We see this in where wherever it talks about the baptism of Jesus, for example, in Matthew 3.16, it says when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And so just as, I guess you could say, just as Paul calls us to be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians, Jesus was filled with the Spirit. Again, 
being the second person of the Trinity, being both fully human and fully God, but in his humanity, he was able to receive the Spirit. He was able to live in the Spirit. And, and this paragraph summarizes that this empowerment of the Holy Spirit, this anointing of the Holy Spirit, had two purposes. First, it says that the Holy Spirit sanctified him. Now, to be sanctified is a fancy word meaning to be set apart, both in a moral sense and in a practical sense. Is to be set apart in a practical sense, being set apart for a unique purpose. He was set apart for a unique purpose. Again, here we need the office of role of being the mediator between God and man. But it's also being set apart in a moral sense, being set apart from the world, being set apart from the sinfulness of the world. It means holiness, not being part of the defiled world, not, not the world that this dirty, sinful world is not able to defile him in any way. And so the paragraph further defines the aspect of him being holy, harmless, undefined, full of grace and truth, meaning Jesus wasn't stained by sin in any way. I can't even imagine that existence. I mean, everything I do is stained with sin and stained with the limitations that come with a sinful world and a sinful nature. But Jesus is perfect, holy. You know, it, it's um, testified in Scripture. For example, in Hebrews 7.26, it says that it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest. Listen to this. He's holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. In order to be the mediator, he had to be human, but he had to be the perfect human. And there's no other human that could have fulfilled that role. And so the paragraph that I read summarizes that Jesus had the moral qualities necessary to fulfill the role of being the mediator between God and man. He was pure and he was holy. He was the undefiled Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And in his humanity, he relied on the Holy Spirit to continue to live in that purity and holiness. Whatever the world threw at him, whatever Satan threw at him, he did not sin, he could not sin. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. But then I also mentioned that the Holy Spirit, it, it also came upon him to anoint him, to equip him with the tools that were necessary for him to fulfill the role that he was going to fulfill as a mediator. The paragraph says that the Holy Spirit gave him the treasures of wisdom and knowledge to make him qualified to carry out the office of mediator. It says that because of his direct quote from Paul in Colossians 2, 2, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, whatever qualities were needed for him to fulfill this role, of being a mediator between God and man, they were found in Jesus Christ, not only based on his own divine nature, but also his reliance and empowerment upon the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit that sanctified and anointed Jesus Christ 
is provided to us as well when we believe in Him. We have the Holy Spirit to sanctify us and to anoint us for our part in the plan of redemption. We, Peter says we have this divine, we, we share in this divine, divine nature, not being what God the divine nature, but we, we, we have the Holy Spirit that is there to empower us. Look, look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 24. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So we have that Holy Spirit to lead us to holiness, to sanctify us, to empower us to become partakers of the divine nature in that holiness and, and, and the power. The only problem is our because of our unbelief, we do not rely on the Holy Spirit. And in our sin, we grieve and we quench the Holy Spirit. And so we are not living and walking in the Holy Spirit that has been provided for us. Why is the church and why are American Christians so weak and anemic? They're not living in the power of the Holy Spirit, including me. Because we Americans think we're so smart. I don't need the Holy Spirit. I can figure this Christianity thing out all on my own. And then we fall flat on our face. Oh, well, it must have been a problem with the program that I was following. I just need to follow a different program. I need to follow a different teacher. I need to follow. Here's an idea about the Holy Spirit. We need that. We were given that provision for a reason. We were given the Holy Spirit for a reason. So that we too could be sanctified and anointed. The same Holy Spirit that came upon our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in His humanity. And I've got to theologically walk careful there because we're not denying Christ's identity. But that same Holy Spirit resides in the believer. Now, true, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit for Christ is different than for us because He's Christ and He, he was a perfect human God man. And uh, I feel I need to say that because there are, I don't know if you've heard this, but there are charismatic and Pentecostal type teachers out there, preachers, that say that our infilling of the Holy Spirit is the exact same as Christ, meaning then that we can do the same exact things that Christ can do. Meaning, well, some will, will say you can, you, you can live a sinless life. Some will say, because you have that Holy Spirit, you can heal the sick. Because you have that Holy Spirit, you can raise the dead, just like Christ, and things like that. That's not true. 
Christ was anointed for his specific work. We are anointed for our specific work. We're not called to be mediators. We're not, we're, we're, we, we're not called to have the same witness and testimony as the apostles who were there, who saw Christ. But the Holy Spirit is going to work in us to sanctify us so we are alone. And the Holy Spirit is going to anoint us for our role, whatever our work is. Remember, you remember the, the, all that Paul said about the church being the body of Christ, and you are a member of that body, and you have a part. The Holy Spirit will empower you to fulfill that part. Gives you a gift, and then it gives you the empowerment to fulfill that part, whatever that part happens to be. For Christ, he was given the Holy Spirit to be equipped to fulfill the role of being the mediator between God and a man. Now, what was it uh, that Christ had accomplished in his role when he was in power? Well, that's described in the next two paragraphs of the confession. And in chapters four, or paragraphs four and five, it says the Lord Jesus most willingly undertook this office. To discharge it, he was born under the law and perfectly fulfilled it. He also experienced the punishment that we deserved and that we should have endured and suffered. He was made sin and a curse for us. He endured extremely heavy sorrows in his soul and extremely painful sufferings in his body. He was crucified and died and remained in a state of death, yet his body did not decay. On the third day he arose from the dead with the same body in which he suffered. In this body, he also ascended to heaven, where he sits at the right hand of his Father, interceding between the mediator. He will return to judge men and angels at the end of the age. And then uh, check paragraph 5. It says that the Lord Jesus has fully satisfied the justice of God, obtained reconciliation, and purchased an everlasting inheritance in the kingdom of heaven, for all those given to him by the Father. He has accomplished these things by his perfect obedience and sacrifice of himself, which he once for all offered unto God through the eternal spirit. He satisfied the justice for all who would believe in him. The Father is going to give to him everyone who believes, and all who believe in him he has satisfied. So Jesus willingly took on humanity so that he willingly would suffer and die on their behalf, willingly bearing, here's the perfect God-man, willingly bearing the sin of humanity to save them. He rose again, he ascended to heaven to willingly be the mediator between God and man for all of eternity. Now paragraph, the paragraph four that I, I read sounds very familiar because it's almost word for word as it would seem like the Apostles' Creed and different creeds like that. But these are the basics of the gospel. This is what we proclaim. This is what we preach and we teach. This is the hope that we have. And on nothing else, that's, that's why we come together. So we can proclaim the glories of Christ so that as the song said, you know, that we sing tonight, Christ be magnified. Magnified by what we teach, by what we believe, how we choose to live. 
Christ be magnified. Amen. And so, you know, what, what the, the paragraph, um, what that paragraph says, I mean, it sounds also very familiar to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 3 through 8. Here, Paul summarizing the gospel message. This is what we preach and teach. Paul says, I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received. This is first importance. This is numero uno. This is the basics of the Christian faith, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the 12, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as the one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Jesus died. He took our sins upon him. As Peter says in 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body <coughs> on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we are healed, coming from Isaiah 53. But he didn't stay dead. He didn't say decay. He rose again. He ascended. He sits in the place of authority in heaven. He's going to bodily and visibly return someday. This is where we place our faith. This is where we trust. We trust in the Christ who gave himself for us, and we li and in our gratefulness to him, we live faithfully for him. We need to have the solid foundation upon which everything else is built, and let that determine how we live. For him, the decisions that we make, what our worldview is, how we look at all the craziness going on in the world, it comes through here. You, you notice how even in the gospel message, how it was all as given by scripture. He died according to scripture. He rose again according to scripture. You know, so, so many of the liberals and those who turn away from Christ, they tell us that we don't worship Christ, that well, we worship the Bible. But my question is, how are you going to know the Christ that you worship if you don't get it from the Bible? You're just worshiping a Christ that you made up all on your own. I can make up, I can make up all sorts of different characters too. Doesn't mean they're real. George Lucas came up with all sorts of characters for his Star Wars universe. Not a single one of them is real. There's only one Christ, and it is the Christ that is revealed to us in Scripture. And that's the Christ that we magnify. That's the Christ to whom we hold. And he fulfilled his role. He fulfilled his role according to paragraph 5. He fulfilled the role by the power of the Holy Spirit. He perfectly obeyed God. He gave the perfect sacrifice. He, he was actively obedient. It talks about his active obedience. He was born under the law so he could fulfill the law, the law that we could not fulfill. That was his active obedience. Then in his passive obedience, he died on behalf of humanity, and he gives to himself an eternal inheritance. And so he perfectly obeyed actively, he perfectly obeyed passively, he sacrificed himself, 
And Paul says in Romans 3, 25 and 26, him whom God put forward as a propitiation, as a satisfaction by his blood, he is to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. At the cross of Jesus Christ, God showed his justice. His justice came down, but it was upon Jesus Christ. And because it came down upon Jesus Christ for all those who believe, he justifies those who have faith. That's where our justification comes from. The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 9.15, Therefore he, Jesus Christ, is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. We have a new covenant with him. And so knowing who our mediator is, knowing that he was equipped to do the job, we have, we, we have confidence in him. Our confidence is in Christ, not in ourselves. We, we have blessed assurance because of Jesus Christ. What's my assurance of my salvation? Not, not, not me. It has everything to do with Jesus. I trust him. I trust that he accomplished what the Bible says he accomplished, and he is now my mediator. I have no other plea. If God asks me, why should I let you into heaven? Sure ain't because of me. It's not anything I did. But I'll tell you what, it's all because of the perfect Holy One. We want to have that faith. We want, we want to just so trust Him. And then that leads to a faithful life. You know, I, I pray that knowing who we are in Christ leads us to greater holiness in gratitude for everything that he has done. And if there's anyone that is trusting in anything else to try to go to heaven, I'm not overly sure how much clearer I can make it, to tell you the truth. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not. I, I, I'll plead with you. I mean, if I could take you, I mean, drag you kicking and screaming to heaven, I mean, I would. But, but you have to trust in him alone. And there's nothing else anyone else can do for you. Christ paid it all. So give your life to him. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at vsm underscore HBC. 
we welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening, and God bless.